0: Humanity is running really, really fast, but in the wrong direction.
1: Welcome to Voices of Esalen, the podcast where we explore the meaning and impact of the modern human potential movement through meaningful conversation with experts in the field. I'm Sam Stern. Today, we are honored to feature a Dharma talk by Deborah Eden Tull, founder of Mindful Living Revolution. Debra is a deeply experienced and respected Dharma teacher, spiritual activist, author, and sustainability educator. She's taught engaged meditation for over 20 years and trained for seven and a half years as a Buddhist monk at a silent Zen monastery. With a focus on post patriarchal thought and practices, Debra integrates compassionate awareness into her offerings, bridging personal and collective awakening in an age of global change. In this podcast, we're going to be playing a talk that Deborah gave to the Eslin community on January 18th, 2023. In it, she explores the concept of duality in terms of feeling special versus not special, and the impact that duality had on the quality of her life growing up. She describes how it was this feeling of duality that ultimately led her down a spiritual path. Debra also emphasizes the importance of recognizing the conditioning and narratives that shape our understanding of ourselves and of the world, and the choice that we have to come back into our true nature. There's a lot here. Debra also explores the shared nature of cultural conditioning, her own experience of navigating chronic illness, and how through that chronic illness, she was able to let go of the myth of self-improvement in order to tap into her own true nature. Presence and essence. So, with no further ado, here's Deborah Edenthal speaking at the Esalen Institute.
0: So, nice to see you. I'm going to share some reflections this evening on the extraordinary nature of ordinary self. And because I knew that I would have a soak. Just before coming up here, and I know that I tend to leave my left brain down at the tubs, I brought some cards so I could remember what it was I wanted to share about this topic. Um, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and it's one that I'm offering for each of us individually and also for our collective, because I feel that on behalf of our Earth, on behalf of our collective's needs, it would serve every one of us to bring more clarity to how to release the duality of special versus not special, how to see clearly from the heart and recognize the already existing extraordinary nature of ordinary self or essence that each and every one of us contain. Just to ask, how many of you are aware on some level or have been at some point in your life of a bit of a duality between special, not special? Am I good enough or not good enough? Here's how I'm proving I'm good enough. This proves I'm special. This may be proof I'm not special. Show of hands, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I come from the foundation of Zen meditation. And just to share, because a few of you have voiced that you're new to meditation, a couple basic principles that can serve us tonight are number one, To recognize that the quality of our life experience as human beings is determined by the focus of our attention. The quality of our life experience is determined by the focus of our attention, which means in every single moment that we're alive here, our attention can either be up in the conditioned mind, the mind of separation and limitation, the surface narrative in our heads, or here, present aware when i speak of seeing with the heart instead of seeing through the overlay of the conditioned mind i'm not necessarily talking about the organ of the heart though we know that it's an incredible organ of relational intelligence but i'm speaking of the heart of our being and meditation which for me is a practice that we bring to every moment of our life it's not just something we do on the cushion though that's a piece of it is a practice of learning how to recognize that what we are unconscious to silently governs us. And so we want to be awake and aware of the stories, the conditioning that each and every one of us had fed to us simply by living in this world where media, religion, family, education, trauma, all of those things fed us some conditioning. Show of hands, if you're aware of some of this narrative in your own mind. Yeah, yeah. And so we recognize, one more principle I'll share from Zen, the choice that each and every one of us has in every single moment, the spiritual sovereignty we have, the internal choice to come home, to come home to our being. And so much of what you're engaged in here at Esalen, um, I know through my Thai Rhythms experience or perhaps experience I've had with sound healing and just being on the land, listening to the land, is about remembering who and what we really are beyond this narrative. So for me, this topic begins with a little story from when I was five years old. Maybe you can just listen through the intention to sense where you can feel and hear yourself in this story that i'll share from my heart my dad was my first spiritual teacher and he had a contemplative christian practice of his own and he he modeled presence and deep listening in a way that i am forever grateful for and when i was five years old he sat me down to have a conversation i had just that year started kindergarten and he said you know eden for your whole life, you've been really three. And this is the first time that you seem to be carrying around a level of concern that concerns me. And I remember this conversation from age five because he said compassionately, what, "What's what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? There's a level of concern that you didn't used to carry. And if you can imagine just how a parent feels when they first witness their little one, their precious one getting impacted by the conditioned mind. That was this moment for my dad. My memory of that time is, it's when I first entered the school system, the grading system, the comparing mind was born. The how do I compare to that person? Do I measure up? Am I better than or worse than? And kind of a nagging, heavy, hardened energy that... I think I've probably carried around us some baggage for many, many years that had to do with a fear of uh, failing in such a system. How many people can resonate with this? Yeah, I thought so. Glad that we're all human together. When I was 11, my father passed away quite unexpectedly. And after losing this compassionate mentor I had in my life, my first spiritual teacher, and recognizing, witnessing him bring his life to a close with gratitude and and grace and love because he had lived in presence, even though it was a tragedy, that loss, it really taught me something. It pointed me the way to meditation and to choosing a spiritual path at quite a young age uh, in high school. That, for me, pointed to this quality of presence that my dad had. Yeah? Maybe people can reflect on what brought you to the path. However, I was still living in the relative world. In Buddhism, we talk about having one foot in the absolute, the realm of love and oneness, and one foot in the relative. Measuring, comparing, material world, (laughs) grades, and what this domain, the relative, points to is a kind of conditional love paradigm that certainly permeates the dominant paradigm of the world I grew up in. The dominant paradigm, for instance, in the United States. A notion that parts of us are lovable and parts of us are not. And so there's the duality. There's the not special, special divide right there. And so by the time that I was in college, I created all kinds of external certainty that I could be seen as special. I was a dancer. I was an artist. I was this. I was that. I was a permaculturist. I had my my titles even by 20. Has anyone else watched yourself gather your own titles or credentials in life to try to make the grade? And I noticed the... Again, I'm going to use the the word baggage, the energetic weight. I can feel that heaviness in my body just while I presence it right now. Of carrying around that level of self-consciousness, of carrying around that level of projecting out onto what do people think about me and comparison. It was heavy. It was a source of great suffering. And I think deep down in my heart, I knew it wasn't necessary. But let's acknowledge that it's certainly what the world of individualism and capitalism and, again, the dominant paradigm perpetuates and teaches in a way that I really think we need to look at as a collective if we're going to do anything of use on behalf of our collective and planet Earth. At the age of 26, uh, I I had a a deep uh, intuitive sense that it was time to to get some help. (laughs) And I shaved my head and gave away all of my belongings and moved to a silent Buddhist Zen monastery where I trained for the next seven and a half years in silence. The first thing that happens when you move to a silent monastery is you notice, oh my God, I've created all of these ways I can assure to be seen as special And I'm now in a field where not any of those things mattered. You live with a group of people in silence, not knowing anyone's background, anyone's last name. There's not one moment that my teacher would have applauded me for one of those credentials. (laughs) Because the whole opportunity was to strip down naked and show up as we are and be human and learn how, which I think every human being today needs support in doing, to Completely fall in love, head over heels with ordinary self or essence, with our naked moment by moment experience. Because when we see light through the heart of love, that's what we experience. We see clearly. So to pause and just reflect in your own being on ways you've been impacted by the special, not special duality. And perhaps ways that you found yourself acting from that duality or seeking approval through that duality or fear of failing through that duality, right? And equally having so much compassion for ourselves because of the external circumstances. And I want to name the legacy of a tremendous disconnect from the natural world which began all the way back when we first invented agriculture, the Cartesian era, colonialism, capitalism, patriarchy, all that has informed human consciousness today, that's made it so that we see ourselves as separate, even though nothing could be further from the truth. And as separate, we think, I need to protect myself, and I need to prove myself, And I need to measure and compare myself. But that entire conversation only happens in one domain of our being, our experience. And that is the hierarchical perception of the conditioned mind. It's not true. It's not what the heart sees. It's not what we experience from presence. It's all just a conversation here. Just a conversation. Just a thought. So, please pause and just take in a couple of deep breaths, just so that we're resting in embodied listening. Sometimes I like to use the phrase tactile listening so that we're listening with our whole bodies, both to the words being shared and the energy behind them and simply the experience of shared presence, being here together. When the Dalai Lama first came to the United States, he had his first interview with an American student, and the very first interview was a conversation about that person not feeling good enough and feeling like they didn't measure up. And this was new. The Dalai Lama took note. This was new. It wasn't a conversation he was used to having with the people who practiced with him and their cultures. And then the next American came in, same conversation. And the next American came in, and all day long, that was the conversation. It's humbling, isn't it? And so I share this so that we can really open our hearts to the gravity, the momentum that this special, not special, divide has and what it's created. It's important to name the intersubjective nature of conditioning. And that means that when conditioning is shared, like our neighbor is sharing it and our sibling is sharing it and our boss is sharing it and maybe our readers are sharing it, it's really hard for us to see that we have a choice around it, that it is conditioned, that it isn't something that's innate or true. So the fish doesn't always see the pond in which it's weighing. So the good news is (laughs) we all have a choice to through our practice, through our meditation, soften once we recognize the myth of self-improvement and let go into something much deeper and sturdier and already existing, the gift of our own essence, already here, already whole. So some of you may have come to practice, as I did, through the myth of self-improvement at the beginning. Maybe this will make me a better me or a better version of me. But if we keep going and go deep enough, we really begin to lose all interest in self-improvement. We lose interest in the fixation on the self. We, We gain interest in essence. In Zen, we sometimes point to essence as authentic self true nature and sometimes no self because it's just the ordinary self that's here when we empty when we let go and let life animate us yeah how many of you who are dancing this week have had the experience already of oh it's when i empty that life lives me life puts shape through me it's not a doing it's not something i need to manage (laughs) right and so it's the same in all of life. In a minute, I'm going to give you an invitation to reflect on this a little bit personally, but I'll share a little bit more. What I want us to bring awareness to is just the impact. And you're welcome to close your eyes if you want, but just to feel the impact of when we fall into, when we get seduced by that duality and we forget to instead sense within and remember the already existing wholeness our perfectly imperfect humanness what is the impact what's the impact on your body i know for me it it, it would feel draining to my energy you busying to the mind sense how it might impact your relationships, especially when we think we need to show up appearing special or fear that we might not, instead of just showing up as ourselves. Maybe we think we need to show up and manufacture something or present or perform. So when I was the age 31, I, um, Woke up one morning at the monastery feeling that I was in the body of a 90-year-old woman. And I somehow made my way 15 minutes through the woods from my little hermitage to the main meditation zendo. And I didn't know, but I had contracted Lyme from a tick bite. And so that began a a journey of many years navigating Lyme. And any of you who have navigated or watched someone you care about, navigated chronic illness, know that it's quite a ride. And so the ride was diving into a mystery where I no longer could assume I was going to wake up in a particular form each day that was familiar and sometimes had high energy and sometimes had none at all. And so my teacher decided that I would go spend a few months with family and in a place where I could get some medical attention. And the doctor told me for the first month, uh, I would just have to lie on my back and do nothing because the treatment would be pretty harsh on the body. And I remember lying on my back and just watching all these stories of fear come up. Who, Who will love me if I'm just doing nothing? If I don't heal, who will love me? If I'm not able to give all that I normally give every day, how will I know that I'm worthy? And I recognized right then a thread of family conditioning that says you're lovable based on what you do. You're lovable based on what you contribute. Does anyone resonate with that in some of your own psyche or memory field? In a moment of just... Dropping in to surrender, a compassionate, pure, clear voice rose up saying, Eden, your presence is your greatest contribution. I recognized in that moment that it didn't matter if I didn't heal. It didn't matter if I could do or perform or produce. That none of that mattered. None of it mattered presence. This is something we all have, our essence, in every moment of our life. It doesn't require performing. It doesn't require producing. It doesn't require achieving. It is whole in itself. And so my life changed from that point completely. And what I want to emphasize is When we let ourselves stop, and when I say stop, I mean stop, just stop the feeding this duality, stop self-consciousness, stop trying to prove, maybe, through our actions. And when we empty, which is the genuine invitation of meditation to let ourselves empty, to trust that okay, I'm willing to just be with my naked experience as it is and to let go. We recognize that it's a fertile emptiness. It's not an emptiness to fear. It's a fertile emptiness. We recognize that it's a luminous darkness. This is the um, book I'll hold up that I most recently put out. We recognize that when we're willing to empty, life will come through us with absolute passion to co-create through us, to use us, (laughs) to show us that extraordinary, extraordinary expression comes only when we're willing to let go of thinking that's how we need to prove ourselves. Does this resonate with people's experience? Does this scare anyone? <laughs> um and one of the things that I teach today is Buddha Dharma intertwined with post patriarchal thought and practices. Also acknowledging our shared presence with the more than human world. And I just want to name that for so many of us who have grown up in this world where there are a lot of external conditioned standards, if we can simply remember that they uphold conditional love and that we have the choice to remember the unconditional, then we have so much more energy and life force that can go to... Trusting ordinary self. Celebrating ordinary self. So just a few encouragements before I close reflections. And the first is um, to just be aware of certain ways that we feed that duality. Where we might have a choice instead to just show up as we are. Okay? To just show up as we are. And also being aware of the amount of energy that's happening in our world right now that's being drained from the treasure chest of humanity by the myth of self-improvement. It's driving capitalism. It's wasting resources. It's utilizing people's time and money and mental energy. All of that energy is a treasure chest. True nature. (laughs) What we might instead co-create together. If we could help one another remember that just our humanness, just our being is enough. And then see what that energy can go to. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And take in a couple of deep, conscious breaths. Just feeling your breath moves you, and to recognize that just bringing awareness to this is enough awareness is its own medicine has its own alchemical power just by bringing compassionate, kind awareness to this and I want to just remind people that while we're not in this practice demonizing the ego we're trying to get rid of the ego we're just acknowledging that as humans we all contain true nature and ego and we we want true nature (laughs) our hearts to be in the driver's seat so i'm gonna name just three major messages of the conditioned mind that you might playfully pay attention to while you're here at Esalen. And when you hear one of them, just let it be a mindfulness bell that perhaps invites you to question, is this really so, what I'm being told in the mind right now? And the first one is, there's something wrong part of the brain scanning for something's wrong with me or them or something out there, okay? And the second is there's not enough. Fill in the blank. Not enough time. Not enough. Maybe that story doesn't come up too much of this one, but in daily life I imagine it does. And the third, simply being, there's something I've got to do. There's something I've got to do. And just paying attention to these three conditioned messages and letting each be a mindfulness bell, that calls you back forth to this moment, body, breath, presence, what is whole. When I share the statement of something I've got to do, I'm not just pointing to that voice that thinks there's something you've got to do to be more special, Um, but also just a knee-jerk response to life that doing is required, whether I'm meditating or dancing or in conversation with someone or weeding the garden, as opposed to truly letting ourselves rest and empty and letting life do through us, okay? And lastly, I'll just share a quote that one of my teachers used to say. That humanity is running really, really fast, but in the wrong direction. And I think there's a way each and every one of us can (laughs) feel that part that's been trained. The five-year-old I described, that's trained. She's got to run really fast to try to make sure she's going to be worthy to try to make sure she's going to make the grade to make sure she's not going to get rejected and all the energy going to that takes our attention away from listening to what's already here and what is already here within us is a treasure chest each and every one of us carries a unique essence that no one else carries And therefore your essence is already extraordinary, extraordinary. But you have to be willing to stop, to stop, and to to listen to it, and to pay attention. Attention is the most subtle form of love, to pay attention to this being. So you can help them get this egoic mind overlay out of the way and let this being fully express what's already here.
1: Thanks for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's show is produced in conjunction with Shira Levine. Our theme music is by Nico Holloman. If you enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button, or even better, share it with a friend. Until next time, be well.